January 17th, 2024. We're in Masechet Berachot and Daf Kaf Amud Bet. If you count from the top of the Amud down, it's 24 lines down. Three words before the end of the line. Says the Gemara, Amar le Ravina le Rava. Ravina questioned Rava the following. Nashim be Berkat Amazon de Oraita o de Rabbanan. Are women obligated in Berkat Amazon, as we read in the Mishnah that they are obligated, is that on the biblical level, mide Oraita, Min HaTorah, Omid Rabbanan, or only Rabbinic? Says the Gemara, Lemaynaf Kamina. It sounds like some sort of theoretical question. What's the practical ramification? You're just asking because you want to understand conceptually? Or is there a practical ramification to whether they're biblically or rabbinically obligated? Says the Gemara, Le'afuke Rabbim Yedehovatan. So that they could fulfill this mitzvah for the Rabbim, the masses, which means to say for men. If they're obligated on a biblical level, their obligation, which is on a biblical Torah level, can come, ate means come, it will be motzi, it'll fulfill the mitzvah, someone who's obligated on a biblical level. In other words, if I'm together with my wife, my wife could say, I listen to her as she does so. I'm fulfilling it with a mechanism known as shomea ka'one, by listening to someone who's saying it, it's as if I say it, gemara in masechet sukandaflamit but that would only take effect if the person who's saying it is obligated on the same level, with the same status as me. If a woman's only obligated midrabanan, rabbinically speaking, she could not and would not fulfill it for me. There's, I mean, there's a lot of practical ramifications. If she's not sure if she said it, should she say it again? Yes, any the poskim, the poskim point out the other, I don't know that there are many others, the other ramification, which is not mentioned in our Gemara, is bimakom safik. If a woman is uncertain, if it's only midrabanan, we say safik berachot, we say safik derabanan lekula. She wouldn't repeat it if she's if it's min haTorah b'makom safik in a, a case of doubt she would have to repeat it. Uh, that's the safik here in our Gemara. Says the Gemara. Okay, again. So i amarta if you say that de oraita ate de oraita mapik de oraita. Have bishlama in parentheses. The parentheses are not read. Parentheses, uh, brackets are read, not parentheses in the Gemara. Um, uh, says the Gemara, however, she'd be considered like a person who's not obligated. What's the halacha in this situation? There is, on this Gemara, the famous commentary of Rosh, before addressing Rosh and Siman Yod Gimel, let's just address why women wouldn't be obligated min ha-Torah. After all, it's mitzvah ta'aseh shelo hazman gerama. It's a positive commandment which is not time-bound. Why would you say that women are only midrabanan? Why not, for certain, min ha-Torah? Rashi, on the left-hand side, writes, Nashim amazon de oraita, explains Rashi, Dichtiv, as the Pasuk says, Ve'achalta ve'savata, Pasuk says, you'll eat and be satiated. Ve'havale, and it in turn is considered, Mitzvata se'esha en hazman geramat, there's no positive time-bound aspect to it. Odrabanan, here's the interesting part, why might it only be midrabanan, Dichtiv, as the Pasuk says, Al ha'ares ha'tova, 
the Pasuk which talks about thanking God, the obligation of Uverachta, blessing him after being satiated by your food, says, on the land which he's given you, meaning Eris Yisrael, Eris Kenan, Vihaaretz, and Eris Yisrael lo nitena lenekevot lehithalek. It was not given to women as part of the portions. They were never given nahalaba aretz. Men received portions in the initial division of the land of Israel, not women. Um, what about the fact that the Torah describes how the daughters of Tzilof Had did receive a portion in the land? The only reason the daughters of Selov Had, as the Torah describes, did receive a portion in the land is because their father, who did leave Egypt, who was a part of that generation, was deservant of a portion, but he died in the desert, so they were really taking his portion. So therefore, uh, stated simply and quickly, Rashi's explanation to why women might only be obligated midrabanan, but not min haTorah berkatamazon, is because the pasuk describes berkatamazon as being connected to Eretz Yisrael, and women didn't have a rightful portion, legally speaking, from the Torah in the land of Israel. Tosafot on the right hand side, the third one. Question, they ask a question on Rashi, just a few lines down in that Tosafot, Diburamathim Nashim, says, Vetema, question, Kohanim uleviim name tiba'e, shahare lo natelu helek ba'aretz, vimken lo yotziu acherim yedei chovatam bebekat amazon. Question of Tosafot is that Kohanim and Leviim as well, the Torah explicitly says, did not receive a portion in the land of Canaan. And that being the case, maybe it should be the same question. The Gemara seems to only question this and ultimately not even get an uh, answer with regards to women. Why isn't it relevant to Kohanim and Leviim according to Rashi's logic? Rather, instead, says Tosafot, Ela yesh lomar de ta'ama mishum. It must be the reason instead why the Gemara is uncertain, has a safek about women, is because the Pasuk says, Al-Beritecha, excuse me, the, the Bekat Amazon says, Al-Beritecha shehatamta bifsarenu. We say in the second Beracha of Bekat Amazon, on the Berit, which you put on our flesh, the Al-Toratecha shenimaditanu, and on the Torah, which you taught us. We have a nodelecha, we're thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu for berit, the physical berit milah, and secondly for the Torah, which you taught us, v'nashim letnehu lo bebrit, v'lo Torah. and women are not a part of obligation in terms of berit milah, not obviously to themselves, nor even to their children, the, Gema, the Mishnah, the Gemara, and Kiddushin and Davkavtet derives that from a pasuk, oto velo ota, by Abraham Avinu, but women are not obligated in, in Berit Milah. Women are furthermore exempt from Talmud Torah, the Gemara there on Daf Lamed derives that from Pesukim as well, that anyone who's obligated to teach is obligated to study as well. Women are not obligated to teach their children. They in turn are not obligated to to, to learn on their own. Well, that being the case, says Tosafot, this Beracha in Berkat Hamazon, ve'amrinan lekaman, mishelo amar berit ve'torah be'berkat Hamazon, lo yatzai yedei chovato. 
the Gemara says very clearly that if you don't say these words in Birkat HaMazon, if you don't say you don't fulfill Birkat HaMazon, it means those are integral to Birkat HaMazon. And therefore, if those are integral and these are not appropriate and relevant to women, that's why the Gemara is misupak. That's what our Gemara is questioning, is querying. Since they can't say that they're obligated in Berit and in Talmud Torah, therefore, for women, mine only be rabbinic in nature. Or perhaps, since it's not even really relevant to them, in other words, the fact that they say those words, it's not, they, they, they don't need to say those words per se, because it's not relevant to them. A man for whom it's relevant, you must say it in Birkat Amazon. A woman for whom it's not relevant, it doesn't mean she's not a part of Birkat Amazon in HaTorah, it means that those words would be not relevant to her. That's and the suffix of the Gemara. And therefore, they'd only be obligated in Midra Banan. The Mishnah quite clearly told us women are obligated in Birkat Amazon. The question is, Min HaTorah Midra Banan, suggestion is it might only mean Midra Banan. Okay, that's the suffix of the Gemara. We'll go into in a moment the way the Gemara deals with this, but ultimately speaking, does not have a resolution. There's no final line. There is something significant over here, though, because the Gemara later on in Daf Memhet has the following statement, La Halakha. There is, of course, and we'll see this later on the Amud as well, there is an obligation from the Torah with regards to when you say Berkat Amazon, and then there's rabbinically speaking when you say Berkat Amazon. From the Torah, it's only when you have Kedeh Sevi'ah, Ve'achalta Ve'sava'ata, when you're fully satiated. Midrabbanan, Mahlokar, Bi'udan, Bimeir, it's at the point of eating a Kazayit or a Kabetzah, a specific measurement of the bread, even though you're not per se satiated uh, um, in that moment uh, through that eating. Well, that being the case, what about the following situation? Two men for argument's sake. One had kazayit or kabetza, the other one was fully satiated. Can the one who had the kazayit, the kabetza, only obligated midrabbanan, fulfill the mitzvah bekatamazon for the one who's obligated min ha-torah, fully satiated? The Gemara says yes. Questions rosh in siman yod gimal here on this Gemara. Well, if that's the case, what's the question by women? Pashut, even if women are hayav, only midrabbanan, of course they could fulfill the mitzvah for a man. Answers rosh in a very famous statement. He says, maybe Maybe women, or he states clearly, women are not a part of what's called arvut. Arvut means that I am responsible for you. Kol Yisrael arevim Now you might say that everyone's responsible one for another. It's just a musar, and indeed it is, but it has halachic ramifications as well. The Gemara in Rosh Hashanah and Kaftet says that if a person is, for example, in a situation where he's fulfilling a beracha for another person, even though I already fulfilled that mitzvah, for example, I heard Kiddush already, I said Kiddush, but now I'm uh, in your home and I'm going to eat together with you. Even though I fulfilled the mitzvah, I can now <coughs> fulfill it, say it for another person, but I already fulfilled it. How am I doing it for another person? Rashi explains, because kol Yisrael arevim Every person has a responsibility for the other. It means that the way we link up one person to fulfilling the mitzvah for another person is with a mechanism, a halachic mechanism known as arvut. 
responsibility. Rosh claims women are not a part of Arvut. That's why the Gemara is questioning this. If they're obligated, Minhat Torah. So then you don't need to get into this fancy mechanism of Arvut. They're already they're saying it for themselves, and they're on the same level as you. You're just tapping into that. If they're in a lower level, for example, a man who already fulfilled the mitzvah, for example, a man who's only Midrabanan fulfilling a further oraita, you tap into a mechanism known as Arvut. Women don't have Arvut. That's Rosh's that's Rosh's claim in this Gemara, for one reason or another. Uh, the question is, though, how that would play out lahalacha in other areas. For example, Dagul Merevava, that's the author of Noda Bihudar, Biyah in his commentary to Shohan Aruch, in Siman Kof Samech Het, questions the following. What if a woman is at home on Friday night, wasn't in, uh, in, in Knis? The husband who was prayed. Now, prayer could fulfill the mitzvah of Kiddush from the Torah. Kiddush from the Torah, as we even mentioned in our last class, isn't per se with a glass of wine, a cup of wine. It's just uh, mentioning the sanctity of the day. You could fulfill the mitzvah min ha-Torah of Kiddush through your prayer on Friday night. He therefore wondered if a man is in shul on Friday night, they prayed Amidah, they did Kiddush for all intents and purposes, can they now, when they come home, fulfill the mitzvah for their wife? So you say, of course, she's hayav min ha-Torah. But he's no longer hayav min ha-Torah. He fulfilled the mitzvah min ha-Torah in synagogue. Now that he's home, he's only fulfilling it midrabanan with a glass of wine, with a cup of wine. Maybe if women don't have arvut, he can't fulfill it for them. Rabbi Akiva Eger, in a she'elotu teshubot, in siman vav, in a, a noteworthy statement, says, that's not so. He says, our gemara is misupak, and Rosh's statement is only if the women aren't obligated from the Torah. In other words, it's not that women are entirely removed from Arvut. A man could do it for the woman, provided that she's obligated. Over here in our Gemara, the question is, are they obligated in Birkat HaMazon? If they're not obligated in Birkat HaMazon, they're only Midrabanan. That's what Rosh says, and they don't have Arvut to now transfer that over to a man who's obligated on a Deoraita level. When I'm dealing with Kiddush, where at its inception, they are obligated from the Torah. So the man, the man <coughs> could have an Arvut. He can have that responsibility to fulfill it for the woman. That is the way he ends that matter. But when it comes to Kiddush anyway, we have a general assumption, it's the poskim discuss this, that men don't have intention to fulfill the mitzvah of Kiddush in Knis. They rather, their mindset is, I'm saying praise, but my Kiddush fulfillment, even Minha Torah, will be at home. But even if for some strange reason they had that in mind, or they already said Kiddush in the full sense, even, and now they're visiting another home, and they're making it for a woman and only a woman. People have asked me this more than once. I made Kiddush at home, and then I went to my mother's house, and she needed to hear Kiddush. Can I say that Kiddush for her? The answer is in that situation that he can, basing ourselves on a lot of this conversation. What's the difference between Shomer Kiona and Arvut? Or is Shomer Kiona the way you Arvut? Maybe the other way. I would say Arvut is the way Shomea Kaone comes into play, but I think you're saying the same thing as me. Shomea Kaone is by listening to you, I fulfill it, but I fulfill it in what sense? Who gave you the ability to say it for me? Arvut. Now, if we're both obligated on the same level, it's a simple Shomea Kaone. I don't need an Arvut. Arvut means even though you're not actually obligated on my level, I have to plug that in in order for the Shomea Kaone to take place and be effective. Okay, says the Gemara now. That being the case, back to our issue, that was an important digression, which has major ramifications and certainly 
is a rich debate in the poskim. But the Gemara, if you recall, had a safik. The question was, are women obligated min ha-Torah with regards to Bekat HaMazon or not? I will say parenthetically, I already told you the Gemara doesn't have a conclusion. And therefore, we go, you would imagine that women can't fulfill, and indeed they cannot fulfill Birkat Amazon for a man. Nonetheless, if a woman forgot Birkat Amazon, or is uncertain whether she said Birkat Amazon or not, this is a mahlokat poskim, whether she repeats. Svaradim, generally speaking, are posek halacha lekula on that, that she would not. Says the Gemara Tashima, I'll bring you a proof. Whether women are obligated min haTorah midrabanan with regards to bekat hamazon beemet ameru ben mevarech leaviv veevid mevarech lerabovi sham mevarech lebaala. In truth, the halacha could and would and is that a child, a katan, can say bekat hamazon for his father. Well, obviously, the child's only hayav midrabanan veevid mevarech lerabo, a slave, and eved knaani who's obligated on the level of a woman can make berkat hamazon for his master, obligated on Torah level. Veisha mevarech lebaala, and a woman can say berkat hamazon for her husband. We're only going to focus on that last part that a woman can say berkat hamazon for her husband. Then we're going to assume disregarding my initial statements in those first two parts, because we'll come back to that in a moment, that means that women are obligated min ha-Torah. Aval, however, and just uh, in context, this is significant, even though it could and would and will work if a child or a woman makes Berkat HaMazon for their husband or parent, Tavo Me'era, Me'era means a curse. It's a curse to the man who doesn't know how to say Berkat HaMazon. You need your wife, your child, who are generally less educated, or even your slave to say it for you. That's a curse, almost. Uh, the rabbis say, you shouldn't be in this position. Says the Gemara, If you were to tell me on the one of the two angles that we suggested earlier, that women are obligated, I understand how she's fulfilling it. The the woman, the obligation on the biblical level, is fulfilling it for her husband, who of course is obligated min ha-Torah. However, if you were to maintain that women are only obligated, rabbinically speaking, do you think that the derabanan could come along and fulfill the mitzvah min ha-Torah for the man? Clearly, and of course you have to inject Rosh over here, clearly instead women are obligated min ha-Torah. Says the Gemara, but wait a second. Well, wait a second. What about the statement uh, right before that? The Beraita, you're only focusing on the third of the three cases. The third was a woman saying it for a Mason for, for her husband. And you're suggesting that she's, therefore, we have to argue, Hayav Min HaTorah. But the child is clearly not Hayav Min HaTorah. There's no such thing. And nonetheless, you're saying that he could say Bekat Mason for his father. It can't be that this is a Derabanan for a Deoraita. It can't be. I would say, well, rather, how do you explain this? Rather, the case must be in all three of those situations, the child for his father, the slave for his master, and even the woman for her husband, the husband, the man in each of these cases, the master, the father, ate only a shi'ur midrabanan. What's a shi'ur midrabanan? We mentioned earlier, kazayit or kabetzar, biudar, bimeir, by so doing in that situation, the woman is perhaps only obligated midrabanan, she can fulfill the mitzvah for her husband, 
who is in this circumstance, since he only ate, uh, so the Gemara has no conclusion with regards to this. We saw a relevant Tosafot earlier on Daf Tetvav that dealt with the specifics over here. What does it mean in this situation? The child is saying for his parent or even the woman, did they eat? To their satiation. In other words, what if it's two derabanan, so to speak, to a, a, to a derabanan, right? A child on a derabanan to the father who's a derabanan, or a woman who might be midrabanan um, only. So that's a, a, a larger and, and broader debate on that uh, specific as well. Lastly, says the Gemara, a beautiful and well known derasha uh, related to the shi'urim, the measurements of Bekatamazon obligation. Darash, there was a derasha, Vrav Avira. This rabbi Zimnin Amarla Mishemeh Derbi Ameh Zimnin Amarla Mishemeh Derbi Aseh. Sometimes he would quote in the name of Rabbi Ameh, other times in the name of Rabbi Aseh. These were rabbis who were contemporaries, and their names, probably because they're so similar, are often interchanged. And the Gemara says it was either him or him. Regardless, Rav Avira would say the following: Ameru Baruch the angels uh, exclaimed in this uh, midrashic statement in front of God, Ribono shel olam, uh, master of the universe. Katu b'toratecha, your Torah says, Ashe lo yisapanim v'lo shohad. The proper way to judge and the way that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is perfect is he's hakel, hagadol, hagibor, v'hanora, asher lo yisapanim v'lo shohad. He never favors one side over the other for a wrongful reason, and he doesn't take ransom or bribes. God, you're the perfect judge. You're the judge who isn't swayed by uh, external or inappropriate reasons. You judge who later in the Torah, but it's not true, God. You say about yourself, or Moshe wrote about you in Sefer Devarim, that you're so perfect in that respect. Is that really factual? Don't you turn into the direction of Am Yisrael? Don't you judge them favorably in situations where you're, so to speak, stretching the judgment in their favor? In Parashat Naso, part of the Birkat Kohanim, it's that God should be nosepanim, literally raise his face, li Yisrael. He should favor them, look up, look into the eyes of Am Yisrael, and he will, and this is your instruction to Bnei Aharon, the Birkat Kohanim, how could it be? I thought you're a perfect judge who has no nisiat panim, who never raises his face to one over the other. Amar lahem kivyachol hakadosh baruch responds to the angels, v'chilo esa panim liyisrael. How could I not favor Am Yisrael? Shekatavti lahem b'Torah. I wrote in the Torah ve'achalta v'savata uverachta adonailuhecha. I wrote in the Torah and instructed that when you're satiated after eating. Then you make a beracha. Then you say berkat hamazon. But they are scrupulous upon themselves. They are stringent. Ad kazait ad Even on small measurements to say berkat hamazon. In other words, and this is the key of this statement, and in turn several other statements midrashim with regards to angels and hakadosh baruch Hu, which will develop in just a moment. The statement of this midrash is to imagine, to realize our relationship with God as not merely a technical judge-like relationship. It's not I do and he rewards, I do and he and because he stated. It's rather a relationship. That's what's being developed in the words of this Midrash. The angels turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and they say, as a perfect judge, you can't be no sepanim to Israel. 
Kadosh Baruch Hu responds and says, are you kidding me? This is a relationship. I told them to do this. They extended themselves. How could I not? The only time you use the words, how could I not, is when you're speaking through and with emotions in a true relationship. It's similar, of course, to the Midrash in Masechet Shabbat and Afsanachet, where the uh, angels turn to Kadosh Baruch Hu and say, Why are you giving the Torah to Bnei Adam, to human beings? Why not give it to angels? We're going to do it right. We won't mess it up. And in truth, they have, again, the angels representing this Midat Adin, rigidity and absolute judgment and involvement in law, they're right. Angels will fulfill the Torah better than human beings. Moshe Rabbeinu, ultimately speaking, is positioned to answer the angels. And what's his answer? Do you have parents? Do you have inclinations? Do you have the ability to do wrong? If you don't, then the Torah is not for you. It's again a description of the Torah, not just being an instruction manual for behavior, but a development of character, of emotions, of psychological connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to ourselves in terms of self-growth. There is as well a Midrash elsewhere that says that as Am Yisrael were crossing Yamsuf, the angels turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, Halalu What's greater about the nation of Yisrael? They're no different than the Egyptians. They're idolaters. They're also worshipping foreign gods. You're going to uh, redeem them. You're going to perform miracles for them and bring them as a nation. For what reason? The response of God over there is, how could I not? I have a covenant. I have a pact to deal with Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. What type of response is that? Again, they're right. This These people are not deservant. God's reaction, his words there again speak to the same truth of this Gemara, whereas angels represent an absolute midat adin, judgment, what should it be? That's the way it's going to be. God's reaction, the lesson to us, is that our development as people, our fulfillment of the Torah, is not merely as he said, we do, we're told, we respond, but rather one of a relationship. We have stretched the laws of the Torah to fit our lives in a way that develops us as human beings in a relationship to Him. You told us only when you're satiated, we couldn't suffice with that. God responds, I can't suffice with treating you just as litigants. You're someone, you're a person who's in a relationship with me, and as a result, how could I not be no panim to you? That's the conclusion of this Gemara, that Midrash, a lesson which I think is a very relevant to each one to each of us with regards to how do you envision your relationship to Torah, to mitzvot, to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Do you envision it just as a checklist, I'm commanded and therefore I fulfill? Or do you imagine it as something having a deeper relevancy? Do you understand it as something in which I'm speaking to a partner, so to speak? I'm sp- speaking to someone, to a being with whom I've developed a relationship. He's Elokei Abraham, Elokei Tzhak, Elokei Yaakov. There's a deep-seated and long-standing relationship here, which as a result of, I am committed, as is he, to continuing this relationship. Baruch Adonai Amen, amen.